0: After a lengthy silence, Justin Mezzettin states that his biggest challenge in life has been trying to understand what authenticity really is, and even more challenging, how to live in authenticity. He speaks of the different ways he didn't fit in. He's gay, black, and a seventh-day Adventist. He says that in every space, he didn't fit in because at least one of those attributes. At age 37, he's got a better grip on authenticity, but now facing the next challenge of vulnerability. We talk a lot about inner safety and how that is such an important component to both authenticity and vulnerability. The conversation was so rich, we went overtime. Hello, Justin Mezzettin, and welcome to the Authentic Gay Man
1: Podcast. Woo-hoo! Hey, Max! Glad to be here. Glad to be here. Um, wow, I know time. we've been
0: talking about this for a while, so it's it's good to see your smiling face.
1: Yep, I'm, I'm semi-excited about this. Excited, Semi. but I've heard many of the episodes, so I'm like, I don't know where I'm going to go, but it's okay. I'm here, I'm open, and I'm ready for this conversation.
0: Good, good, good. It's amazing how many men come back to me and tell me, sharing their story publicly was something they just didn't even expect it to affect them the way it affected them. Most of them talk about how healing it was. So I hope that will be the case for you too.
1: Sounds good. I'm here and ready.
0: So why don't you tell the listeners how you and I know each
1: other? Um, so recently I have gotten into coaching and there is a Facebook group for gay coaches and I think I saw one of your Coaches and cocktails um online parties happening. So I joined and I've uh, been to a few of those now. And um yeah, that's how we really got to know you outside of yeah. me hearing your podcast.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's that's um, that's exactly right. So thank you for sharing that. Okay, well, let's jump in. So, you know, the question I ask every guest is, what does it mean to you to be an authentic
1: gay man? so what it means to be an authentic gay man to me is knowing yourself deeply enough uh to express that person wherever you are so sort of knowing your strengths and your weaknesses and being okay with that um and being able to sort of navigate the world and navigate sort of communities um, as I don't say as open as possible, but like productively. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Beautiful, beautiful. Anything else? There is like sometimes you know, you know, when you write things down, like what does it mean to be authentic? And I know I wrote it down somewhere, but I can't see it. But um, I think that's that's sort of it. Being able to be who you are and being okay with, with the response you get. Um, because you know who you are and being able to navigate that relationship or that conflict even.
0: I agree. I w- I always refer to, for for me, I always refer to it as bringing Maddox to the party.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, how many times have I been somewhere where I didn't take Maddox to the party? It was like some other mask or persona that showed up. And so that's how I term it. Bringing Maddox to the party. All right, well, let's talk about what you're really here to talk about, which is your life's journey, your story. Um question, what what has been the biggest challenge in this lifetime that you've gone through or are continuing to go through?
1: Honestly, it's it's the name of your podcast. Um learning how to be authentic and like live up to that definition that I just gave you um i think about your answer of bringing maddox to the party um so for me bringing justin to the party so a little bit about me i grew up in new york city i'm one of five brothers i'm the middle um and i grew up as part of the seventh day adventist religious denomination um yeah and i was also young and smart let's say. I graduated high school at like 14 um, and I went to a lot of Adventist institutions. So when it came to figuring out who Justin was, there was a lot of other um, examples and or voices and or things, yeah, external influences that made that question hard for me to answer. Um, Bringing Justin to the party, based on some of the religious places I've been in, it's like, mm, I don't know, only some parts of you are welcome here, are allowed here. Some parts might be bad. So like when it comes to how you bring yourself to most situations, it's who do I need to be in this situation? How do I need to show up? Um, And then being Black and from New York, you deal with a lot of, it's a very, you see a lot of different types of people. So you see people who are different than you, who have different types of lives than you, and you wonder, like, what's different with that? And then you're also Adventists, which is different from any other Christians. So you're like, oh, what's we're different than them too? So there's been a lot of big community spaces that have lots of types of people, and then trying to figure out who am I? Um, who is a Justin that I get to bring to the party. Um and, and
0: what was that like, Justin, being in those expansive groups like that where you saw so many different people. what was that like when you were searching for I guess what you' what your part in or how you fit in or or did you belong or
1: it's it was hard and like really easy to feel like an outsider because you don't know how the other side is. Um, my family didn't have a lot of money growing up. So when you see certain things on TV, like, oh, that's what it means to have money. That's what that's what an allowance is. An allowance is something that people on TV have, um, not something that we had growing up. Um, so there's this idea of like, no, these people probably have these other lives that are better. Um, and even when it comes to being an Adventist, so like one of our big things is we celebrate the Sabbath similar to like Jewish people. So like Friday night and Saturday. Um, so even just that from other Christian types of denominations and people, you're like, oh, we're you know, we're different. We're we're doing things on we're doing church things on Saturday and then other things on Sunday. So you feel different because you live a different lifestyle than people. Um, and that's okay because you're in this community that also does that and i think partially as i got older and began to sort of come out to myself that similarly is now even harder because i'm like i'm already part of this small group and now i'm different from that other small group um so it's just been hard sometimes to truly fit in where yeah well, and that
0: that lack of of fitting in was on, like you say, multiple fronts. It wasn't just one. You know, we, we hear lots of stories about, you know, I felt out of place because I was only the only a ma- person of color in the room, or or I was the only or, only gay person, and I had to be closeted. Um, but between those two and your religion, it was on every front, wasn't it? Just kind of feeling like th- that that there were so many things that set you apart
1: yeah yeah and like (laughs) um it happens on on all those fronts and then like when you're in that religion right so then it's you know maybe i'm not gay because i'm part of this group and they don't think this is allowed so how do i fit there and like there have been many and i think because a lot of those moments have happened where it's just like oh i'm coming from a very different place than these people I need to figure out how to manage and navigate the situation safely. Um, even sometimes in other certain now that I'm older, there are some other circumstances that I'm in where sometimes I still ask myself that question. It's like, what do I need to do to fit in? You know, can I bring Justin to the party? What version of Justin is allowed here or makes sense to being here? Um and it's it's definitely a work in progress. Um, something that I'm, you know, always sort of learning and thinking of how best to be grounded.
0: May I ask how old you are now, Justin?
1: I am 37. So it's been a (laughs) 37. Sometimes I think about that. I'm like, wait, I'm almost 40. Some of these answers, some of these questions I probably should have answered. And I've got a bunch of nieces and nephews. I'm like, what is family going to mean for me? Like, what can that look like? When do I start that journey? Um, but yeah, well, you
0: know, the good news is there's no wrong answers. Really, it's it's all up to you.
1: <laughs> yeah, I I. That makes that makes sense, and I, I agree with that. And that's something I'm trying to learn. And at the same time, what I realize as well, there's, I'm, in my quest to be authentic, um, one of the things that I've had to unlearn is judgment. I feel like there's just a lot of. Sometimes I think there's judgment on one side, and then curiosity on the other.
0: And you mean coming from other people or you're, yourself? From, within,
1: from within where it's, you know, every situation it's, you know, is this thing good or bad? Should I go this way or that way? More so than whichever way I go, I can be curious. It's okay to go that way. How can I be more curious about my own experience? Or if there's a hard conversation that I want to have, how do I have that conversation being curious about myself instead of being like, well, am I right? Or are you right? Am I wrong? Are you wrong? How do we navigate this? Um, And I think especially religiously, I just come from this place of there's a right way to be or right way to do things. So it's not about, you know, choosing the best way to live. It's about, okay, what's the best way to live? And then how do I do it that way is a lot of the programming that, my mind tends to get stuck in.
0: Yeah, you know the the listener doesn't have the the advantage of of seeing your expressions but I you know I we're on Zoom so I can see your facial expressions and as you talk about is it good is it bad is it right is it wrong your your face is all like scrunched up like you're in pain you know and I'm I'm wondering what it would feel like if the questions weren't is it good or bad, right or wrong? What if the question was, is it good for me or not good for me? Is it right for me or not right for me? Does that change the way it feels if you change the question? Is it good for me? Because the, the questions were causing you pain. I could see it on
1: your face. <laughs> um, thanks for that um, um, insight. Sometimes it's hard to see yourself from within. Um, is it good for me? Is it right for me? I think it's definitely a little bit better, a little bit better. And I think de- it's definitely better. And I think part of the the reason or the direction that I think might work better for me is or be more effective for me um, is something like... Um, Yeah, maybe is it more effective for me? Did that work for you? Like, can we learn? Because sometimes I'm just like I get stuck in procrastination because I'm like, well, I need to know what is it right for me? Well, it could be. Maybe it's not right for me. Maybe there's a better thing for me instead of we can learn through the process, I think.
0: <clears throat> oh, absolutely. Oftentimes when I'm up against a a choice or decision, I, I will literally ask myself is this for my highest good? Mm-hmm. And that question to me appeals to something inside of me that is that is, greater, if that makes sense. Yeah. You know, I, I kind of feel like I wonder if sometimes when we're in the right and wrong conversation, we're in our maybe what would be called our our lower self and when, when we're in the, what would serve my highest good, we're in our higher self. It's a totally different, it's operating from a different place, perhaps.
1: Yeah, I think it does definitely help. I do think sometimes thinking of the, it's not about wrong or right or the judgment of it, but just being, I you don't know, maybe more intentional. Maybe it's like, What's my intention with this? And if I like my intention, then it's for my good. Even if someone else might say it's bad, but if my intention I'm bringing to it, then maybe that might be a little more.
0: You know, when it comes right down to it, nobody can tell you what's right or wrong for you, but you. Now, people will try to. We've all had people in our lives that have tried to tell us what was best for us parents are notorious for that so i want to i'd like to back up for a minute you, you talked about the influences of the religion the the different aspects of growing up and and i'd kind of like to unpack a little bit of that and kind of let you take us on the journey because you were talking about growing up now you're 37 you know And so there's been this this journey for those years through adulthood. How have you learned to navigate that? Oh, gee, that religion told me this aspect of me is is bad. Or, uh, you know, people that I was exposed to over here told me that I wasn't good because of the color of my skin or the varying different things that you've experienced I I think that I'd love to hear, and I think the listeners would get great value out of how you navigated that. How you overcame some of those and where you are now. And 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 I and I get that you're kind of still in process. And of course, that's okay because we all are. You never get too old to be in process. God forbid if we ever arrive, you know, because then what?
1: Yeah. So I guess it's For a lot of my life, I learned to, to be more attentive, um, to be to be more attentive. And my brain likes to overact, uh, likes to do a lot. So, and that has been super helpful. Um, growing up, um, Adventists, we'd like, we love education, uh, Christian education. Um, so I, all of my schooling officially was at an Adventist institution. So like I went away to a boarding school uh, that was Adventist and the college that was Adventist. And when you're in a place that is very, uh, that likes to say they have the truth and knows what's right, um, it's easy to give the right answer, right? Like, you know, how's it going? Fine, X, Y, Z. Here's this. Here's what we can talk about. Here's what's off limits. Um, So sort of just like paying attention to the spaces and. You know, being how how safe can I be there? So I think that started what I was going through and like I say being smart and my brain was active. So Um, I went away to boarding school for high school when I was 12 and I graduated high school at 14. Um, and then went to college and it wasn't until sort of after college where I think it was my birthday. I just turned 20 and it was my first official day at work. Um, so I went to work and like filled out forms and did all that stuff. And then I came home, came back to the dorm because I was still on campus. And then someone called me. And I was expecting it to be like a birthday call because it's my birthday. Um, and they were like, hey, another friend of ours has a birthday this weekend. Do you want to like donate money to like getting a cake or getting a gift for that person? Um, and I was like, sure, sounds good. And I think that was one of those early moments where I was like, okay, what, cool, I graduated college, but, and I have a job now, but like, where? what's the rest of life? um who are the people that actually see me and know me and how do i go about that um so i think that's sort of what started me more proactively in this queer journey of mine where it's like okay if i know the adventist people may not accept me for being gay and most families also adventists so i don't know how they're going to take things How do I go out into the world and like meet other people? Um, How do I find what it means to be gay? How do I find what it means to make friends outside of this Adventist bubble? Um, And in that journey, I think that's probably where a lot of the judgments came more to the surface uh the first time i had a friend who was like yes i'll have bacon on that thing on that burger party was like how could they have bacon like pork because we don't eat any pork or shellfish or any of that stuff either so there was a lot of just like "Huh, oh, they're still cool people they're friends um the first time the first queer friends that i made um they they definitely they really helped my journey. So this is back in 2006. Uh, there are no smartphones. Uh, there are no grinders or any other, those things on your phone. You had to go to apps and sites. And one of the things that I did was Craigslist because I use it to look for a job. So I can also use it to see like men seeking men or just like platonic, like strictly platonic connections and stuff. so I put up a post on there, let's change that. I put up multiple posts on there, but one of them where people responded in a productive way. <laughs> um, you know, somebody responded, I was like, oh, you're looking for friends and stuff. And I saw this post and was talking. Um, so we were just chatting on like AIM or whatever messenger platform back then. Um, and he was talking about him and his boyfriend. They would watch uh Project Runway or have like game nights. And I was like, Oh, I love games. That sounds cool. Uh Project Runway, not so much, but whatever. And they're like, Yeah, we live in Virginia. And you know, sometimes people come over, they watch a the game. If it's too late, they'll stay over and there's a futon you could sleep on. Um, and then either later that day or the next day, they're like, Hey, do you want to get coffee? Like one of them is like, Do you want to get coffee or something? And I was like, you know what? There were a lot of red flags going up. Like, why were they offering me to sleep on the futon? Like, I don't know who these people are. I've never met them. Like, sleep on the futon. Like, what does that really mean? Um, But we like met in like Dupont Circle here in DC. Um, Seemed cool. I was planning to go to Pentagon City Mall to like get a new work outfit, and they were like, "We live by there. I'll go." So while I was shopping, they had to leave, and then that same evening. They, like, sent me a message being like, hey, my boyfriend bought home some, like, Popeyes, and we're just hanging out at the apartment right around the corner from the mall if you want to come join us. So part of me was like, you know what, Uh, I guess we're going to do this. (laughs) Let's go. Like, if they're terrible people, at least it's just one day I don't have to, like, there's no further investment. Um, So then I head over to where they live. Um, I go in their apartment, and I think the first thing I see is, like, an old school entertainment center. And they had every Nintendo system, like up to that point, like Nintendo, Super Nintendo, 64 and a GameCube. And I was like, okay, these might be sort of my people. Um, And they (laughs) had Poppies. It was like one, two. Yes, yes. Um, And then like I met I met his boyfriend and they were they were just like great people. They're just cool, gay nerds. Um, And. Now, was this your first time to be in the presence of of other gay men? not my first time to be in the presence of other gay men, but most of the experiences I had up to that point were either very recently, like at a club that was 18 and up, because I was still 20 at the time, or people I met through Facebook lists or other types of like online stuff, or even like High Five and there. um, but all of those were more possibly like date type things and just like weird 20, like, what do I do? Where do I go? How do I, what do I, what are we even talking about? What do I even know? Um. But I think that was the first time I saw like a gay couple and someone sort of offer immediate friendship where it was just like, hey, Justin, we're friends now. Um, because in my mind, all the all the different guards are up. All the different things of who we can't trust. Like who knows? We don't know anything about these people, and you know, meeting people through the online way. You met a lot of people. Like yeah, I'm up for friends. And then like you walk into a situation and like eh, maybe not. So it's it was definitely the first friends that were just like, hey, we're offering you friendship, uh, no strings attached, and we're actually we're like friendly people that resonate. We we also enjoy Popeyes and like video games and we do game nights. And since I was like 20 at the time, it was great to have people who I didn't have to go to a bar to meet. Um because yeah, so they was it was, I think they and that example they gave me um is definitely something that helped me grow so much in my journey um just because they were cool and they were like nerds and proud of it they love their games they love their like star wars or trek or whatever like they love the things and just went deep in it and we're also sort of homebodies so we didn't have to go to a bar to like all the time to figure things out and um i think from them they sort of taught me how to be more open more more friendly to people and like there were certain friends that i have now who I'm friends with them because some of my friends are Sean and Grant. And um, when I meet some new people, sometimes I'm also like immediate friendship. I'm gonna be like, like open and nice to this person because who knows who they can be. They can be another Sean and Grant or I can be Sean and Grant to them because um, they sort of were very helpful in my journey. Um, especially because back then I ended up being housemates with people from college so I was housemates with them for like a two years before coming out to them so it would be hard at times to be in like a gay space to go to my first pride event and then sort of come back home and have to like hide all my pride swag and paraphernalia because I didn't want them to figure out so they were really um a safe space and like really just helpful on that on that journey. Are you still in contact with them? I am. I am. They they now have a daughter and they they don't live in the city anymore. So <laughs> I try to go up there. Well, pandemic was hard, but I try to go up there to like one of the birthdays or like a holiday party. Um but I still see them online and it's great. And they have just like the the cutest daughter in the world. And it's weird because you look at her and she's just like I'm wearing that stuff and Halloween. Like I'd look at them like, oh, that's so your parents. You are so, you're, you're just gonna be like the biggest nerd when you grow up. But also like you have that freedom to be that nerd and it's, it's, ah, it's beautiful. And like that, that, yeah, I don't definitely don't see them enough, but you know, we, we grow and we, we change and like their parents now. And, ah, I do miss them and I, I'm truly thankful and like appreciative to what they've been on my journey.
0: Yeah. I think that's the mark of a good friendship when you can have your lives change dramatically and not even see each other much anymore. But when you catch up and you do see them, you pick up right where you left off.
1: Yeah. And just, yeah, there's just many, many times, especially there is coming, you know, coming out like a little baby gay, not knowing anything, not knowing what to do. Not, I think, I went to a gay bar karaoke for my 21st birthday because they live nearby and they were like, do you want to go? We're going, we're 21 now. Let's, let's go to Freddie's. <laughs> um, and, you know, me not even knowing how to drink or what drinking means. And I was like, what should I get? And they're like, I don't, I don't know. Drink something that tastes good. I'm like, but what tastes good? <laughs> um, you know, how do I do this? And it's, it's, definitely been like a really really good journey to see where i was when i first met them and sort of where i am now and um yeah i'm like it feels good
0: so where are you now
1: where am i now now you know i'm no no longer in the closet that that was a long time ago and no longer in the closet to my straight friends, and no longer in the closet to family. Um, And here in DC, I've never really left the area, Um, so I've been connected to a lot more queer networks, Um, and I feel like there's definitely a lot of growth that I've had. Um, and I'm at a place now where it's like thinking of what what the next what the next step is. Um, what eh, let me change that. How to go sort of deeper with people. Um, I think it's been easy to connect generally, but sometimes it's hard to go to that deeper level with. People, um, I think what, just a lot yeah. What would
0: that look like if you went deeper? What would that look like for you? Because that could be different for each person. What does going deeper look like for Justin?
1: Going deeper for Justin. And then use your words and say bringing Justin to the party, and I think that's sort of bringing my fears and hopes which are sometimes the same thing um into actual conversation um with friends i think as i embarked on this entrepreneurial journey a lot of it started during the pandemic so you know you're sort of stuck at home but i tend to not talk about stuff like that with with friends Um, because I've got certain stories in the back of my mind, or there are examples of people who, who have done it in a different way that did not resonate with me. Um, and I think sharing ideas like that, of like, here's what I want to see in life. Here's, you know, I, I. I want to be like, yo, let's, what if we had like a vacation place just as friends and we just put it together and like we can just go there like three times a year, um, rent it out part of the year. Like what if like these next big parts of life, how can I do that with others? Um, that as as I navigate my current and other relationships, um, being able to sort of bring that out to people to say, this is something I'm struggling with. And not for them to give me an answer of cool, do X, Y, Z, and you'll be good. Um, but we're here with you. We've been there.
0: Now now you're talking about vulnerability. I was going to ask you about that, but you just described vulnerability. You know, bringing out and talking about the, the the challenges, the struggles, in order for us to do that, we have to get vulnerable. Now, you you talked about going deeper, and I ask about the vulnerability because, in my personal experience, the vulnerability is the the, the number one key to to deeper.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I and I do struggle with that. I think there's, in the back of my mind, it, part of the fear or the part of the judgment that's there is like, okay, if we're gonna go deep, how do I set up a situation, how do I create a situation to go deep, right? Because, how would I say it best? Sometimes, you know, going to show tunes night at, at the gay bar may not be the place to have that deep conversation um and then i could see myself put up other uh obstacles to be like well today's not a good day because it's it's friday um maybe next week we can go deeper maybe you know if there's like a one-on-one dinner time situation um and i and i see yeah allowing myself to be vulnerable is Definitely an issue. Something I'm working on.
0: But what do you think it is that's holding you back? What, what's in it? What is it? A, a fear or an anxiety? What's going on inside of you that says, "Oh, it's Friday. It's not a good day."
1: Yeah. There's. I think what holds me back is. is the fear there that you can do it wrong and then i make up a story about what that means for the next step it's like okay if i have this deep conversation with this friend they are going to say that's not the friendship i want and peace out um Would, would that be so bad Technically, no. And <laughs> there is that feeling of, but that was the friend it was supposed to work with. So now I have to go find another, I have to go build up. And so there's this idea, and this is a story I'll just keep talking out loud, and you can uh, uh, see some of the uh, untruths that may happen. Um, part of the story is. But if it does, if I can't be vulnerable with that person where I think it's possible, then some of these other people where I don't think it's possible, it may not be, it can't happen there either. It's a story that my mind creates. So it's sometimes it's maybe you just don't try unless there's like a uh obvious strong point like a someone just died or a terrible situation happened now I can be vulnerable because now it makes sense um yeah but those don't come by very often hopefully not yeah and I you think know, that's-
0: so you you just kind of made a statement you know, I just don't put myself in those positions where, you know, I can, can go there, can go deep. What, I guess, I guess the what's coming up for me is how's that working for
1: you? That's a good question. It, I think it works. It On many levels, it has worked, or parts of it have worked until now. Parts of it helped me deal with my family situation and live with straight roommates and come out of this Adventist community with not terrible memories. Um, With people who... with people who I can see part of their beauty and their love. And I think one of the challenges with that is I haven't had the best examples of vulnerability, let's say in family and other situations. So some of those long-term relationships, I'm meeting what they I'm meeting the bar that they set. So I'm not saying it's great and it's not great. Um, But also right now I can see that right now there is a really big hole. There's not a big hole, but there is a desire for more deeper connection and it's
0: yeah. Well, you, you you've said it now, but what was coming up for a minute me a minute ago was what I'm hearing that you're not saying is that you're you're hungry for
1: depth. Yeah. And I think that's that that is true. I am looking for more depth. And, and And is it
0: possible that you're the one that's standing in the way of that? depth
1: it is more than possible <laughs> it's pro- it's probably you know 80% that
0: um so you, you said something earlier i want to speak to you you said you had this friend you know and you and you it was hypothetical and and what if i i go deep and then he says ah oh, that's not the friendship i wanted and he you know vacates the premises
1: Mm
0: -hmm. you know i i always i've kind of gotten to where i celebrate that now like i really celebrate when somebody vacates the premises Mm
1: -hmm.
0: i mean you're you you're having a hunger for some depth and if you were to go deep and they left the premises all that merely means is that they're just not your people
1: Yeah.
0: So and we we I think we sometimes and I've certainly done this made it about me. Oh, I'm wrong, I'm bad, I'm not likable, I'm not lovable. You know, they vacated the premises. What did I do wrong? But now I can look back and see they vacated the premises. What did I do right? Hmm. Instead of what did I do wrong? The question is, what did I do right? When somebody vacates the premises for whatever reason, they're generally doing us a favor. It's not easy to see it in the moment, though.
1: Yeah. And I, I definitely uh, would not have gone to that question. What did I do right? Um <clears throat>
0: Yeah, You know, I, I find vulnerability to be, and I, I talk about this a lot, a polarizer. You know, without a polarizer, you got people that like you, you got people that don't like you, you got people that are somewhere in the middle, riding the fence, you know, and oftentimes you don't really know necessarily where they are. But when you openly get vulnerable in your public spaces, in your circles of friends, it polarizes that situation. It literally makes people look at you and go, they're either a hell yes, or they're a fuck no. And there's not much in between. And you know where you stand. They either love you and they want to sit right next to you, or they scream and run and run in the opposite direction. And that's beautiful, I think. You know, when I finally, when it came into view and I finally figured out the power of vulnerability, oh, my God. That,
1: that. Yeah. And I see it and I see it and I feel like there's, it's, it's, when I think of it, like, I see that and I'm like, okay, how do I see that for myself? And then part of it, I think, is sort of like going, going to the gym. It's like the first day you go, you, you're not going to bench a bunch of weight. Um, and when you say that, that like the people saying, yay more, or fuck no. Um, part of me, like, thinks, like, goes back to like a time when I was much younger. And... There's there's this element of safety, but like I need to be safe. There's there's physical safety involved if the people around you are a fuck no to you. There's
0: how do you and then well, you, uh, yes. There there can be, you know. So I'm not saying we go out into the world and we be vulnerable always anywhere with everyone. No, you know, I think there are those places, you know. Dwight, my partner and I, we walk in public spaces holding hands. Doesn't matter where we are. We hold hands. Now, are there some places that we would opt not to hold hands? Yes, yes. We went, it's been maybe about three months ago now, we were at a sistering town. We'd gone to see a place that I'd heard about all my life and never been. It's called the Stockyards in Fort Worth, Texas. and. It was Bubba land. Yeah. It was Bubba land, you know, and, Mad you know, we're, we're, we're gay. One of us is white. One of us is black. That's a lot of strikes against us right there in Bubba land. And we, we uh, talked about it. We like, we got there and we looked around and went, yeah, we held hands for a few minutes. And then both of us kind of thought, oh yeah, this is not feeling comfortable. And we stopped. We stop because there is a an element of physical safety. There are places where you don't want to show affectionate for us in a same-sex couple because it wouldn't be safe. But I think that what stops us more often than not is the non-physical safety. Mm -hmm. Because there's not not that many places, or certainly not that many times in my life where I've really felt like I was under physical danger. Like I felt like something was going to physically happen to me. I was either going to be, you know, murdered or, or injured or, you know. Um, but it's very, very common to think that people are going to judge me or people are going to make me wrong or people are going to laugh at me. or. And I think the big breakthrough for me came when I, I realized I had been looking for safety all out here, outside of myself. I'd been looking for safe places and safe people. And then there was this day when I went, oh my God, it's not out there. It's in here. I mean, I was looking for it, but I couldn't find it. I couldn't find the safe people, not really. Couldn't find the safe places, not really. Occasionally, once in a blue moon, maybe a little bit, it always seemed to elude me. But then when I had the realization that the safety I sought was my responsibility, not somebody else's that I had to take charge, I had to create a safe space inside of myself. Oh, my God, everything changed. Like the minute I created that, I mean, I took responsibility. You know, there's a little person that lives in the inner child, lives in each inside of each one of us. And I knew that when the proverbial shit hit the fan, that I had to be there to look after that little boy that lives inside of me that's only five years old. And when, I've, when I understood that and found that safe place, then all of a sudden, all the places that I'd, I'd looked everywhere for safety, people, places, it eluded me. Now, all of a sudden, I've created it in here. And now everywhere I looked, I saw safe places and safe people.
1: It was bizarre. Does that make sense? It does. It does on a, on a few levels. I'm sort of thinking of the... Uh... <laughs> Whitney Houston song, Greatest Love of All. Um, because there's a yeah. part in there when she says something like that, like looking for a hero and couldn't find one and she had to look inside herself. Um And yeah, and I think it's and I think that's part of the reason why like it's sort of like a gym, like you have to go out there and do it. You have to build the muscle. You can't mentally go to the gym um at some point you have to put yourself out there because like you're saying like even the friends that i think of there's no way i could see them saying fuck no i'm done with this justin um i don't i don't see that happening yet there's still that fear that's on the inside and it's more you will never know until you do you'll never you'll never get until you go.
0: Well, it. and the beautiful thing about it is, in that moment, you find out who your friends really are. Yeah, you know, if they're a, if they're a fuck no, they weren't really your friend to begin with. I want, I want to share a little story with you. Last week, or actually, it wasn't last week. It was the week before. Dwight and I went to Austin for a Brendan. Brandon Brichard, uh, his name's hard to pronounce. Brandon Brichard, a three-day intensive called Growth Day. There were fifteen hundred people in the room, and it was high energy and it was extremely intense. And throughout the three days, he would say, "Okay, I want everybody to get in groups of five. Pick your five. You know, and you just grab five people. Well, four people, being one person, being grabbed four people. So, total strangers, did no assault." And then he, he would give us like five questions. He said, Okay, you're going to have five minutes each. So, you know, five times five is 25 minutes. We would have 25 minutes with this little party of, of five people. And we had five questions to answer. The first group I got in on the first day, I started going through the questions. I was first. I was the one that said, yeah, they, You go first. And so I started answering the questions. Well, two of the questions, the my answer, moved me and made me feel emotional where i got choked up and like got like glossy eyed you know got choked up where i couldn't speak for a minute and kind of my voice cracked and we went all around i finished the next person went the next one all five and when we ended all of them were just like coming up to me and hugging me and putting their arms around me you know just it was like. Vulnerability is like it draws people to us like a moth to flame. But in my experience, now everybody has a different experience. In my experience, it draws the kind of people that I most want to hang out with. Like the the vulnerable. When I get vulnerable, it brings the right people and it sends the wrong people away, like magic.
1: Yeah, yeah, and it. it I see it, I see it, and it's there, and it's like, it's that, it's like that, it's that.
0: It's it's like a nebulous cloud. You can see it up there, but you can't reach up and grab it.
1: A little bit, a little bit. It's like that, or it's like, it's like, you know, the idea of like the hero's journey and like, you know, you're invited to go on this thing. And sometimes the person's like, no, I don't want to do it. I I want to. I don't want to do it. Yep. Sometimes I see like that. Sometimes where I am, or it's like you know what I don't. I don't want to go there. Um. But also, I think that is the next step. So, so let me ask
0: this: How do you respond when somebody gets vulnerable in your presence? They they have a moment where they're sharing something that's just cracking them wide open, or or they they tear up and they cry in your presence how
1: does that affect you um more recently <laughs> um i've sort of learned to try and stay as present as possible um to be there for them right to not try to solve or jump in and fix i uh, that used to be me <laughs> um oh you said something you seem sad how do i fix this so you don't have to be have feelings anymore Um, but now I'm working towards being more, being there, like the easiest way for me to think about it is to think of like my nieces and nephews to be like, okay, they have an issue. How would I be there with them? Um, and it's sort of just being there and listening and like, I get Closer, I want to understand and allow and
0: be there. So, so am I hearing you say that when somebody gets vulnerable in your presence, it draws you in?
1: Oh, well, yeah, that's what closer means. Yep, (laughs) it does.
0: You go, Um, yep, there you go. And and it's pretty much across the board, most of the time, there's a rare exception, you know. The, the first date I had with Dwight, we were sitting at the restaurant. We had been in each. We'd just met. We'd known each other for all of five minutes. We we met at the restaurant for the first time. We sat down. They gave us a menu. And five minutes in, I asked a question, or I don't remember exactly what it was. And he got this distressed look on his face. And I said, are you okay? And he goes, you know, I'm, I'm just having a moment. And tears started rolling down his face. And like you, I didn't try to fix him. I reached across and I put my hand on top of his hand and I said, it's okay. And I just sat there with him and held my hand on top of his hand while he cried. And I got to tell you, that was the moment I fell in love with him. That was the moment. And I, you, I Up until that moment, I didn't even believe in love at first sight. But he had me in that moment. He drew me in with that raw vulnerability in the first five minutes. He didn't plan that. He didn't see it coming. He was surprised when it came up. (laughs) And I was like, oh, my God, this is so attractive. This is just so appealing and so attractive. Because I'll tell you what, men in general, we don't show much emotion. But, you know, oh. Gay men are got a second dose of that, man. They'd rather die than cry in front of somebody. Yep. (laughs) So here's this man just letting it flow right in front of me. Uh, I mean, we were were like an instant thing. It was like, wow. And in another few days, we celebrate a year. That's been a year ago. Congratulations. Congratulations. Thank you. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah. It's it's def it's yeah, I think the the sometimes it's for me thinking of how to make it you know, I just want like a nice little I want like an on wrap is is what my mind says. It's like I'm the I'm the person who gets into a pool like Toes at a time, which <laughs> um, isn't always the best way to get into a pool. It's actually not the best way. It, it's um,
0: not, but you know, if it's your way, it's your way and that's okay.
1: Yeah, it takes time, but I get there. And if I can get into a cold pool, I can, <laughs> I can be vulnerable. Um,
0: You know, I have a, I have a friend We've been knowing each other now for we met in March of 2019. So I guess in 24, we'll be five years friends. And we were having this conversation about vulnerability. And he could see the value. He loved how he could watch me get vulnerable. He was, he could see it, but he couldn't do it. He couldn't do it. I just kept holding space for him. Holding space for him. Holding space for him. And this last year, New Year's, a a boyfriend that he had been seeing for quite some time broke up with him on New Year's Eve. And he called me, I don't know, a day or two later. And we were on a Zoom call. We always get on Zoom. And he started crying. He had his breakthrough. I mean, he had his breakthrough. It just... Cracked him wide open. He couldn't hold it back any longer. And he started crying. And his life has been completely different this year since since he finally had that moment where he had the breakthrough with vulnerability. And he just kept saying, Oh my God, I finally get it. I finally get it. I know why you've been holding space for me and why you've been encouraging me. I I finally get it. And he and he and we talk about it still almost every time we get, we zoom every Friday he lives in a different country and we zoom every friday and every single conversation at some point we'll have at least some aspect where we some period of the conversation where we'll talk about vulnerability because it's such a important component of the life we really want to live you you know you want to live it or you wouldn't be you know yearning and having this conversation and uh you know everything happens in its own time
1: yeah and that's that's yeah I'm always, I'm always like tossed between those two things of it everything happens in its own time and you also have the opportunity to make a decision now and um sometimes just learning to be okay with it and it's so can,
0: oh, I, can, I, yeah. can I ask a, a deeply probing question Go for it? So here we are. We're on this podcast talking about your life.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And this would be if you're going to jump into the pool all at once, the the ultimate opportunity. But if you were going to right now in the moment talking to me, go mm-hmm. into vulnerability and you know I'm not going to judge you or leave the room because I'm an advocate. I'm, I'm holding space for you. What would you say? What would you do? What would it look like if you were going to get vulnerable right now?
1: I would get vulnerable right now. Um, I need something. I needed something to ground me because my mind goes in all different directions. Um, yeah i need i need it's i just need something to hold on to uh something like a focusing a focusing thing
0: you you mean like something to think about as you
1: to, to like if you were to be vulnerable right now go i'm not like my mind is i don't know like how do i answer what is where do well,
0: i go m- maybe maybe i can ask another question that'll help a little bit and and it's okay to say, yeah, no, I'm not ready. Um, it's absolutely okay to say I'm not ready. What is something that perhaps you have a great deal of shame about? You carried it for a long time. You never talk about it, you never told anybody, but it's something that you carry. It's a weight on your back that you carry. Something that happened maybe in childhood or or young adulthood that you just feel shame about so you never talk about it and nobody in your life knows we all have that i mean somewhere in there we all have that Mm -hmm. and it's okay to say yep not ready to go there maddox
1: yeah 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 there are a couple things and part of it i'm not ready to go there and i guess one of the things that i haven't really dealt with or done things about is sort of losing losing my mom i think she passed away the same year i came out to straight people Uh, same year i came out to my co my housemates um how old were you i was 22. So yeah, I guess 15 years ago now. Um, and I guess part of the the challenge was, so that was 22, and let's say I started going away to school when I was 12. So a lot of those teenage, all all of those teenage years were not under the same roof as her so i think there's a lot of or there's some level of guilt there about not being able to see her as a person and her not being able to see me as like a person in those in those years um and you know those are years that we don't we don't get back and when i think about her i think of I can think of the last times I saw her, and around the lot, maybe the last sixteen months of her life, she got progressively worse. So there wasn't a lot of of good communication, um, potential. And I guess there's a part of me that's like, who, what would it have been like to have an adult conversation with my mom? What would it have been like to like? Hear her speak about the fears and hopes she had for her life, and for me to share my own. Um,
0: what What are you
1: feeling as you think about that memory? Um, there's a little bit of it's a little bit of guilt there. Like I should have, could have been more present. Could have wrote back home, Mom. Um What's on the other side of the guilt? A little bit of the sadness and grief that there are, you know, some missed opportunities. And this person who birthed me and...
0: And when you came out to her, was she
1: accepting I was not, I did not come out to her. I think I did not come out to her. By then, she was like, let's say I came out October 2008. She passed in December 2008. And even I think the last time, I saw her on the holidays, but before that, there was her birthday in May, and I think I was up there, and it was either May or December, and I was like, is that you, Justin? Are you like like yeah I'm here like how how school and like I graduated it's like really I don't remember and like her mom she was losing some of her memories, um, and I was in my own coming out process and I guess you know you just never things did not align in a way where even if I did have that conversation with her I don't know if yeah her would have been there for it um and yeah and i guess there's there's some sadness there and you know some opportunities where i you know wasn't around much because i was a teenager in college and what are you gonna do um i had to be responsible to figure out life
0: does it feel vulnerable talking about this
1: it does it does I, I I don't think I've said most of those words. <laughs> I haven't said that which you know with most people, including brothers
0: so in in that place of vulnerability, talking about the memory in your mom, are you talking about the way it feels? Are you actually feeling the way it feels?
1: um talking about the way it feels for sure and there are some levels of feeling the way it feels
0: um would it feel more vulnerable to go into those feelings to allow yourself to feel those feelings right here in the present moment
1: it could and i guess part that's part of the sometimes i struggle with feeling the feelings um i struggle with feeling the feelings and i don't
0: i suspect that's a safety thing and And i and i'd maybe just like to suggest and propose that you kind of think about that And i don't mean that you feel unsafe with me i think it's more that you haven't maybe created that safe space inside of you Hmm. can't know that for sure it's just a hypothetical
1: Hmm. and i guess sometimes people say words in ways that uh resonate a little more and with you saying creating that safe space inside of you um that i've not heard those words in this context before
0: i think that may be your key to finding your vulnerability and being able to express your vulnerability you're wanting to go deeper you're hungry for it but you haven't yet created that safe place that allows you to get vulnerable once again hypothetical it, it it's like the shoe fits or it doesn't yeah
1: yeah and i and you know, i guess as as life goes on and continues and i learn different books and hear different teachers and people who inspire every so often you know someone says something slightly different than the way everybody else has said it before and it's like oh that's what they meant because i think sometimes when it comes to you know people saying feel your feelings i heard that hear that a lot more recently it's like what what does that mean mean? like how do i how do i how do i feel them i don't know um but i think creating that safe space inside to feel your feelings um creating that safety there um i think that adds a new lens and perspective are
0: are you familiar with inner child work
1: a little bit a little bit
0: there are a variety of books if you just go to amazon and search there's some really good stuff out there but i i personally think inner child work is the key to so much of our inner world and and dealing with our past and and our our traumas you know um we all have a wounded child that lives inside of us, and when we can tend to that child's wounds the way we would actually tend to a real child's wounds, um, healing takes place. The inner child work has been super powerful, in, in my experience, for me. You know, different people resonate with different concepts, But it's been pretty powerful for me just to realize that until the day I take my last breath, there will always be a five-year-old child living inside of me. Hmm. And that he's, you know, he's helpless and completely dependent and looking to me to keep him safe, to take care of him and keep him safe. Because he's not capable of doing that for himself.
1: Yeah. I guess, I guess. (laughs) Is there, a question my mind wants to say is, how did you do that? Um, What was, what answer worked for you or process or something in that direction? You know,
0: I just, I'll pile up in my bed by myself And I'll just pretend that he's five years old, just laying on the bed right next to me. And I'll talk to him. I'll tell him all the things that I know a five-year-old needs to hear when they're hurting. I comfort him. I tell him that I'll do anything it takes to protect him. I won't let anything bad happen to him. I literally pretend I got a small child that I'm responsible for. Yeah. You know, if you were a father and you had a five-year-old, there'd be certain things that you'd know to do to comfort them, to to keep them safe. You know, you wouldn't, you, you, you'd you just do what, what it took. And yet we all have a five-year-old living inside of us that we don't tend to the way we would tend a real child. We make it a little more complex than it than it has to be, you know. When I'm when yeah. I'm feeling down and out, I'll pile up in my bed and I'll put my hands on myself and I'll pet on myself just the way I would if there was somebody next to me that I love deeply. I, I caress myself and I tell myself it's okay. I'm right here. I'm right here with you. I'm, it's okay. It's amazing how soothing that is. And it was necessary because I've lived alone a lot of my adult life. I've had relationships, but I've also had long periods of single and so i I had to learn how to do it all. I had to you know as gay men we're always very aware of of the you know sex and masturbation, how we pleasure ourselves, but we don't talk about how we pleasure ourselves with emotional a physical affection that isn't sexual. And I will literally, in single times when there's been nobody to caress my face and look into my eyes, I will caress my own face and hold a little hand mirror in front of my face and look into my own eyes. I will give to me what I would give to somebody that I was completely in love with. Wow. And it's amazing. It's not easy at first. Looking into your own eyes for a long period of time is not easy at first. I mean, some people report they can't do it longer than a minute. It's just, they have to look away. It's,
1: it's uncomfortable. Yeah. Okay. And those are some very tangible um things I can try. I can do.
0: So well, let's bring kind of full circle, because we've gone well over time, which is okay, because this has been really, really rich. What through our conversation today and the things you've shared and the parts of yourself that you've revisited, what's come to light or what are you what are you walking away from this conversation with that you didn't have when we got on the call?
1: Um I definitely think about taking some of these strategies to create that safe space inside. Um, To create that, to, yeah, to create that safe space and trying, trying some to create that safe space inside so I can show up more vulnerably. Um, It sounds like a Right, correct school answer, but what that means for me is really to ask myself like what that safe space can look like, because I I don't know. Um, Yeah,
0: you know what? If you ask that little five year old Justin inside of you, he'll tell you. If you listen, if you ask and you listen, he will tell you. You, I mean, you know, you're him and he's you.
1: Yeah um because yeah because I know I know it's there and I know that there are friends that I can go to and I can bring something to and they would not turn me away and I also see nice I also see how in times past I let the moment go where there's a moment where I could go further and I don't um so and and, and
0: that's what i'm hearing you say that you're not saying is in that moment you felt that there was they were creating safe space for you but you didn't go there because you weren't yet creating safe space
1: for you that's exactly what i did not say and something i didn't even think to say but i i do think that's sort of where this is it's knowing creating it and then I guess trusting in the thing that I created that I am. Because at the end of the day, I do know, like, right? Like I know 80% I live in DC, 80% of the time I am as safe as possible. Uh, I am not afraid. And 60% of the people who I would want to have this conversation with, I know that they are, they would probably be so excited and be like, 12 years later, we finally get to have this conversation, Justin. Um, 12 years later. And yeah, and I guess I get to, I get to, I get to, you know, flex that muscle. Yeah. Sounds exciting. It is, it is. is, And I, yeah. And then the other part of me is like, cool. So what you're going to do is you're going to flex that muscle. And then the next day you're going to schedule, you're going to schedule a massage the next day. And then you're gonna flex that muscle. So no matter how it goes, you know there's a massage on the other side and there's like this play element. There's this like a little, <laughs> a little, reward. A little reward. A little reward for a
0: little,
1: yep. a little happiness. Celebration.
0: There. Yeah. And so. that sounds amazing. Sounds amazing. Well, this has been an amazing conversation. I've I've loved where you've gone with this. because what you you started off saying, you know, the, the biggest challenge was being authentic and 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 then we came into the vulnerability piece and in, and the, to me those are two different things yet they're very they they're very they work very well together they are they're like cousins you know uh, authenticity and vulnerability to me are not exactly the same thing but they work hand in hand you can be authentic without being vulnerable but it's really hard to be vulnerable without being authentic mm-hmm. that's my take so I I I love your, I mean, I think that without you realizing it, you you have gotten vulnerable today, especially in these last few minutes. You tipped your toes into some area. And I think it's always very vulnerable to to say, Oh, you know, you know, oh, I'm the problem. It's not, it's not out there, it's in, it's in here. I'm the one that's holding me back. That in itself is a form of vulnerability. So what do you say? You ready for some rapid fire questions?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Let's go for it. I am ready. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So
0: what matters most to you and why? Why?
1: Knowing that I made a difference, even if that difference is a stupid joke. Cause sometimes I think it's it's what's there's so many things I hear and people I see that you never forget, but every so often there's like that person for two minutes we just had like this amazing connection. And it was about the weirdest thing ever, but like somehow that mattered. Um, and I'll never see them again, but we laughed about it. We had that smile, that knowing connection and it was, it was good. I get it. Was- it. I yeah. love
0: that. Making a difference. I share that with you. Okay. What has been the most difficult aspect of being a man of color? In the GBTQ
1: community, that's a hard one. Um, There is a level, there is a level of preference, sometimes racism or bias, and the what makes it worse is when i assume that before i know anything about the space i think there were definitely certain you know let's be honest there were definitely certain people who i was like they would never date me because they only date people who look exactly like them and then a year or two later i see them dating someone like me and i was like oh there's that or even in my early journey when i mentioned going on questions and stuff there was a lot of times it was like oh i've seen the picture not interested anymore and then people who maybe i did meet up with and i was still thinking they're just like these other people so i didn't give other people a chance because i thought i had to earn my myself there i had to okay, fine, I, I need to be twice as good. I need to be funny and smart and wise, good body, all the things because, because I'm different. And that is something that I'm still unlearning. It shows up every so often, but it's it's that internal part that makes it hard.
0: Um, so if I'm understanding correctly, it's it's not so much that others see you that way, it's that you sometimes assume that they see you that way, and then later find out that's not the case at all.
1: Yeah, or even if I'm right, I don't bring the full just into the place. So it's more, uh, I didn't show up more because I thought this, because like you said, you know, I love I love the idea of a proactive racist, right? If you want to be racist, let me know, and I don't, you know, I don't have to save time. That's why you don't laugh at my jokes. It's not because I'm not funny. <laughs> um, yeah, so, like that's been that's been hard. Um, and then something else that's almost similar but a little different is knowing that sometimes the gay card gets me into doors that are closed to the black card, and that that was something that i've learned more just living in cities and being in in places where things mix it's some of these people might see me differently if i didn't have that rainbow headband on um and sometimes just seeing that 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 difference is is uh, jar.
0: life is messy isn't it yeah yeah there's just so many yeah it's come at us from all all sides. Wow. I, I love your answer, though. That was, you said, wow, hard question, and you just, you answered it beautifully. I love it. Okay, so many years from now, you're dead, and you are a ghost at your own funeral. You're, you know, you're hovering above the room, and you're watching everybody there, and all of of your your gay friends are sitting in the first two rows. What is it that you hope they will say about you once you're gone? Or what is it that you think they would say about you? Maybe that's a better one. Let's go there. What would your friends say about you after you've expired and they're at your funeral?
1: if it wasn't for Justin, I would hate three of you in that front row. But Justin brought us together in joy and laughter, and we was able to create this connection that I've enjoyed both the the, the stupid jokes, but also the people he put me in contact with, like the community that we built together, that didn't make sense and doesn't make sense in some ways, but Justin somehow brought you all together. Oh, that's beautiful,
0: Justin. So you're a connector. Yeah. Yeah. We share that. I love connecting people. That's awesome. All right. I love it. This was amazing. How do you feel about our conversation today?
1: Well, I feel, I feel, I feel good. I feel good. <laughs> um i i feel good i feel inspired and one of my mentors says this thing like hey we're we're all perfect whole and complete and we're already doing the things that we want to do more of we're just not appreciating it and i think by being able to be here with you and tap into Sharing parts that I don't usually share and being vulnerability, like it I'm still alive <laughs> um, and that it's possible to take this feeling and take this experience and hopefully no not hopefully, and apply it in other areas of my life where it's a little bit more challenging. Um, so thank you for the inspiration, motivation, and the the mirror that he held up to help me see myself a little more. clearly. So
0: anyway. Well, thank you for putting your toes in the water and, and testing the, the vulnerability out a little bit. You, you, you did take some steps in that direction today. And, and I feel very honored that you chose to do that with me.
1: You're more than welcome. Thank you.
0: And I, I just want you to to know, and, and I mean this, you know, I say this most of the time at the end because most everybody comes on here and gets vulnerable, but I definitely see you as an authentic gay man. We all, well, we, we all have, we're all in different places on that continuum, but you're on the path. Thank and you. That's man. what's important. Thank you.